Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to episode 27 of the Drawn and Panel podcast. With me, as always, today is Rachel. Hello. And replacing the lazy absent John is Mo. Yep, here again. <laughs> this is a back issue edition of our podcast, and that's where we like to take a single comic book character or story arc and dig in deep. And in today's episode, Mallard mayhem ensues when Marvel's most famous foul meets the knights in Satan's service. But first, <laughs> that was a mouthful. I had to get through that one really quickly. It almost like you're announcing somebody for like like WWE or something. You know? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it no. wasn't even like like that wasn't from anywhere. I wrote that one myself. And then after nice. I wrote it, I was like, I don't want to change it because it seems okay, but that's going to be difficult to say <laughs> with all those similar first letters and everything. Wow. But anyway, of alliteration. <laughs> we do have some listener email today. Oh, always Yay. good. Yay! And today's listener email comes from Caleb. Caleb Palmquist is a writer. He wrote a book called A Small Favor, which we reviewed back on episode 24 of July 31st. If you guys want to go back and check out that episode, it was really fun. He dropped us a line to say, hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that I got a lot of great feedback about the podcast episode. My fans and friends really seem to like it. If you'd like me to come back on to talk about the next A Small Favor book, I would totally be down. Caleb. Awesome. Awesome. I know, right? That's well, like our first return visitor request, I think. I mean, we've had people on the show more than once, but that's the first guy to actually ask to do it instead of us trying to force him to. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good episode. Small Favor was a really fun little book and everything. So I think we'll probably definitely review his next volume of that. We'll bring him on the show and do another interview with him or something special. It'll be a lot of fun. But we love those podcast listener emails. So if you want to hear your email read on the air, drop us a line at at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. And now it's time to jump into the show right after this. Power Records presents the Fantastic Four, the way it began. What is a nightmare? The dictionary tells us it is a terrifying dream, a nightmare. That is what Benjamin J. Grimm enters as he sees Susie, murdered by Dr. Doom. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. 
before we get into the actual comic book of Howard the Duck, we really should spend some time and talk about the people behind it, like all the creators. Sure. Yeah. One of the most important creators of any comic book is the writer. In this case, it was Steve Gerber. He has quite a few other notable books and characters. Of course, Howard the Duck, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Man Thing, which is Uh, a book that I have nothing, I know nothing about. It sounds like Mo might know some stuff about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, that that actually explains a lot because (laughs) in Man Thing comic books, when I was a kid, the back, they did have the main Man Thing story, and then Uh he would have a Howard the Duck story behind it. So that's where he introduced Uh Howard the Duck, I think think right yeah in the man thing series so there you go I mean, it was it totally, it's just two totally separate comics but all in one thing so okay now they're the same writer that makes sense yep <laughs> well here's a little interesting fun fact about steve gerber that you might not have known after he corresponded with some fellow youthful comic book fans roy thomas and jerry bayless who are huge comic book people now in the comic book world he started one of the very first comic fanzines called headline believe it or not when he was 13 or 14 years old Jeez. So can you imagine that? I so, feel like man. I have accomplished nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you should be the one to talk. <laughs> you still got time. Mo and I are way yeah. past our time. We got Jeez. no chance left. <laughs> but I just thought that was really neat. Apparently he had written in to a comic book and one of his letters got published. Mo, you remember John uh, talked about he wrote into the shadow and one of his oh, yeah. uh, letters got published in a shadow comic book. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently this guy wrote in and then through that notoriety he ended up doing some letter writing between Roy Thomas and Jerry Bayless and I guess he got the idea that he just wanted to start a fanzine before there really were fanzines for comic books because the comic books were the fanzines right? Neat. It's just pretty cool. Yeah very cool. And the artist for this comic was Gene Colan. He was known for Daredevil, Detectives Inc, Doctor Strange, those kind of things. Oh okay. okay. There was a lot of strange things in this book that's for damn sure. (laughs) Yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fun fact is uh, he was a member of the U.S. Armed Forces in the Philippines, and uh, he drew art for the Manila Times. And when I found that out, I was I immediately went and ran to my wife, who is Filipino, and I said, <laughs> you have a paper in the Philippines? I never saw one the whole time we were there for like a month. I didn't know you guys had a paper of your own. She said, yes, it's still there, you dummy. I was like, yeah. okay. She's like, but it's all on the internet now. Come on. Right. <laughs> I guess this guy drew artwork. So maybe comics he drew, like little comic strips, or maybe he just did some artwork for some of the articles, you know, like a political thing. I'm not really sure, but. That might be fun. Fun to look up, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll cool have to, to see if I can find some of that stuff. It was, but it was a neat little fun fact for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the anchor for this is Steve Lealoha. I'm hoping I pronounced that name correctly. I think um, you're close. Yeah. Yeah. So, and some notable books and characters. He did uh, Spider Woman uh, and Yay. Fables. Yeah, I knew Rachel was going to kick. <laughs> yeah, figure that one right. <laughs> and uh, an interesting little fact is that uh, he began his career in 1975 with an early independent comic book called Star Reach. Um, he drew a five-page story called Wooden Ships on the Water, and it was actually adopted from a song by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, the song was called Wooden Ships on the Water, and then they created a comic book of it, this little five-page story in that early Star Reach comic book. I mean, hmm. that's an interesting way to break into the comic book world by taking a song and then turning it into a story in a comic book, I guess. Yeah, that's I, really you know, neat. I wonder, I wonder if you have to be stoned when you do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Especially in that Crosby, day, Stills, Nash, right, you know? It probably wasn't too far from the point. <laughs> I, 
but think about it. I mean, a lot of songs, not a lot of songs, but several songs have really good storylines to them that mm-hmm. you could probably turn into something, you know, just from the nugget of the idea that they give you in that three and a half to five minutes, wouldn't you think? I would think. Yeah. Sure. I'm surprised we haven't seen it more often because yeah. there's, I mean, think about Major Tom, right? That could be, you could develop a good comic book storyline out of something like that. Yeah. Or maybe Michael Jackson's Thriller. Well, that's probably, <laughs> yeah. probably every zombie yeah. comic book that's ever been probably, done, right? We probably shouldn't do that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not getting out of the creator info segment without talking about one of my favorite types of artists in comic books, and that's the letterer. In this case, it was Jim Novak. He had a lot of notable works, including including, not excluded, but including the Avengers, Doctor Strange, and the Incredible Hulk. So wow. he has yeah. worked a lot of the Marvel Universe stuff, which is probably why he got put on Howard the Duck, because that's a Marvel title, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think that from what I've seen of his work, he does a tremendous job. Cre uh, little fun fact about him. Back in the day when Star Wars was first coming out with a movie, they came to Marvel and said, we want you guys to produce the comic book. If you guys mm-hmm. remember, yep. Marvel mm-hmm. used to do a lot of film adaptation comic books. They did Raiders of the Lost Ark. We talked yeah. about Blade Runner in last week's episode and they also did Star Wars. Now this was not the I Star Wars comic are. book lines. Well, the ones that are out there now are not just movie adaptations, but they also have continuing storylines mm-hmm. outside of the movie story. Yeah. Well, when they were first coming to them, this was one of the first movie adaptations Marvel did. They asked Marvel to create a version of the Star Wars logo for the comic books. Jim Novak was the guy who got to do it. Nice. Yeah. And he actually like, oh, really? <laughs> Not knowing well, where we come. And he had some specific marching orders because Stan Lee didn't like the logo that got sent over to him from George Lucas's <laughs> studios. So they actually did slightly change it because it wasn't a Marvel W and it needed mm-hmm. more bold this or something. So they did actually modify it a bit before it hit the comic book cover. Someone huh. not liking George Lucas's idea? <laughs> Apparently not. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm We don't say. talk about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> It looks like our little friends need help. By the power of Grayskull. Speaking of crazy characters, this book is full of them. (laughs) (laughs) There is not a normal character in the bunch. (laughs) Not one. Starting with, of course, Howard the Duck, created Mm -hmm. by Steve Gerber. His first appearance was an adventure into fear number 19. Oh, okay. So is that a man thing book, Mo? Or is that? I I believe so. I'm not 100%, but it definitely sounds like one. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. He's a a duck, obviously. So his abilities are master of quack foo. Yes, oh, sir. yes. I Master remember that of Quack Foo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I only remember that from the movie. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and some magic ability. Yeah. He would have to, right? He's a duck. Yeah. yeah. A duck, yeah. <laughs> you can't have a walking around anthropomorphized duck and not give him some magical abilities, I would think. And of course, the Quack Foo can't can't miss that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, the 1986 movie has a Rotten Tomato score of 50. I'm surprised it's that high. I'm surprised it's that high. It sucked. I loved Howard the Duck. It was terrible. And speaking of George Lucas, 
It, didn't he right? do Howard the Duck? I the think, movie? Uh, I think he might have. Yeah, I didn't I even. Think he did. I didn't even check that. He might have. I know Spielberg was involved in it somehow, maybe oh, as a producer no. or something. Yeah, Leah Thompson was in it. She was like the human star next to the Howard the Duck puppet. Uh, and the guy who starred in Shawshank Redemption is in this movie. He's like a little quacky, look, quirk, quacky, <laughs> a quirky assistant <laughs> to the scientist guy who ends up bringing Howard the Duck down. And that scientist guy was the guy who was the principal in Ferris. Bueller's Day Off. So that movie had connections everywhere. How can you not love that one, Mo? It's a classic Gen X film. Oh, I can totally not love it. (laughs) It's the Marvel version of Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably sucked. But I still enjoyed it. It was fun. Well, talking about another crazy group of characters, what about the band Kiss that was in this? Oh, my God. Obviously, we're talking about this book because this was their first full appearance in any comic book ever. Created, obviously, by Steve Gerber, who wrote this book. Howard the Duck number 12 was where they first came in as a cameo. And then in 13, (laughs) they came in in the full one-page panel that we're going to talk about when we get into the story. Um, I don't have any abilities for them. I tried to find... Rock and roll? I guess just rock and roll. That was it. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It was difficult to look up a lot of stuff, but I did find a couple of fun facts. The first one is they have adventures or storylines that are published by Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, and more, even though everyone in the band, except for Gene Simmons, hates or hated comic books at one point in their life. They (laughs) didn't want anything to do with comic books, but Gene Simmons talked them into it because it was all about licensing and royalties. Yep. You got a paycheck. He's good at that. That. Yeah, he has not made a small amount of money in his life. I think at one point I looked up, they like it's a two billion dollar a year franchise or something like that. Even oh, wow. still today, today, jeez, didn't yeah, he copyright I mean, could, the money bag? Did he really? Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, that guy, he's made plenty of money, hasn't he? Oh, and he still oh, does yeah. his thing. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Here's a crazy other second little fun fact. When they did one of their very first books, blood from each band member was drawn by a registered nurse, witnessed by a notary public, and then poured into the vats of red ink used for printing the comic book, A Marvel Comic Super Special Kiss, in 1977. Well, that's gross. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) How does that pass muster inspection today? There's no way anybody gets away with that. But they actually drew their own blood, mixed it in with the red ink so if you have that book you have the dna very possibly of every member of the kiss band in 1977 oh i could see that being like a post-apocalyptic thing we're gonna restart the human <laughs> race with this dna <laughs> i can see that the uh i mean kiss uh, you know i think their music was hit or miss to me like it was sometimes sure. good sometimes not but um they were the masters of self-marketing oh yeah oh yeah I mean, lunch boxes I mean, and the I mean, face they, paint they're you know because mm-hmm. there was a whole thing but nobody knew who they actually were like when they oh, first yeah, that's out. right. That was yeah, a mystery for was a while, mystery. wasn't that's, it? Yep, they always had their makeup. So, like, newspapers were paying, like, huge amounts of money if you get pictures without their makeup on. And, you know, they, I mean, they totally play that to the hilt. I mean, so, you know, hats off to them. I mean, they really use, you know, the, the media guys. to their advantage. Well, and the remaining two members of the band, because, you know, the band is split up, you know, mm-hmm. since then and everything. People have come and gone back and left again and everything. But the original two guys, Gene Simmons, and I forget which other one it is. I know Ace Freeling's not in it anymore and anyway so they still do the makeup on stage and that was something they didn't anticipate back then that the makeup would hide the band members switching out so they still play the same characters on stage they still play star child Catman. they still play yeah. those same characters when they're on stage even though it's different people huh it's cool actually that's probably pretty useful for them 
Yeah, I don't think they anticipated that when they did it, but I guess it was a nice side benefit. And a less crazy character in this uh, comic is Damon Hellstrom, a.k.a. the Son of Satan. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know much about this character. Tell me a little bit more, Rachel. He was created by Roy Thomas and Gary Friedrich. His first appearance as in Ghost Rider number one. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing from the name and from the book he appeared in, he's some kind of, and from what we saw in this one, he's some kind of mystical arts kind of guy. Like a literal literal son of Satan. Satan. Yeah. He's, oh, actual... he's really the son of Satan. Oh, yeah. Like that Literally. wasn't just a moniker. Nope, oh. that's him. He is the son of Satan. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, his uh, and he was raised by Satan for a while. Him and his sister, and uh, ties Wait, into his like abilities. Satan had joint custody of him with his wife no, or something. Yeah. The oh, wife yeah. didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, the mother didn't know she had married Satan. And when she finds wow. out, she goes nuts. Satan gets banished. And uh, the and Damon, Damon is left for the suffer the consequences, apparently. And his sister, Satana. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get separated and thrown into orphanages. And I guess he, I think he gets raised by Jesuits or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he now uses his abilities, which are dark magic. He is a protection from fire can heal others and is a peak human physical capabilities oh like so he's got like super strength or something like he's in the best condition a regular human can be in yeah uh and he uses that to fight demons and uh (laughs) save humanity but just the physical human capacity that's what he uses to fight that's it yeah just that A fun fact is he will be making a live debut on the MCU. Uh, Hulu really? is... Yep, they're doing a TV show for him called Hellstrom. They're changing it so that he's the son of a serial killer. And they they got, they got also did not like the name Satana for his sister. So she's just going to be Anna. And, uh, uh, they, just, they kicked off the sat part and now she's just Anna. Yeah. yeah. Just Anna. So should be able to see that coming soon. I'm curious to see how that's going to tie in with the new wave they're doing for the movies. I know, well, I know yeah. that he was he had a strong association with the Defenders back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. So, yeah. And I wonder if that's going to be like tied in somehow too. Well, you know, we haven't heard anything about the Netflix group moving over into the new Disney stuff. This is going to be on Hulu. I don't know how they would bring anybody together unless some of those, you know, because we had Iron Fist and Daredevil and Luke Cage and all that stuff, Jessica Jones all on Netflix. Unless Hulu buys the rights and picks those up, I don't know no, how actually, he can Hulu, fit into that. Uh, Disney owns Hulu. Oh, Disney owns Hulu? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. A, like, a, like a majority they can do share. Anything they, want. they own everything. That's why they're doing all the joint stuff. Mm-hmm. Does Disney own this podcast? I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm starting to get scared now at this point. You know, I'd, be, I'd be okay if we got paid. Wouldn't <laughs> Unpaid intern, unpaid co-host, a paid co-host. That'd be the best track ever. Right? Unpaid intern to Disney employee. There you go. (laughs) Hello, boys and girls. This is your Peter Pan storyteller. When you hear this signal, turn the page. All right, here we go. G.I. Joe, the secret of the mummy's tomb. Rachel and Mo, I think we've delayed it long enough. I think we kind of have to talk about the story of Howard the Duck, issue number 13 from 1977, published in June of that year by Marvel. I'm going to give you the synopsis just in case anybody out there is interested. Uh. Rock and roll band Kiss have arrived to give advice to Howard the Duck. 
Yes. Although, are they real deal or demons from Winda's dark place? And all goes terribly wrong when Howard the Duck becomes the Duck of Satan. Um, yeah. <laughs> the story was written about as well as that synopsis was. Yep. Because I read that verbatim. I didn't, there was no alliteration in my performance of that synopsis. That was exactly what I pulled from the different websites for Marvel. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, uh, I mean... <laughs> I had a cousin who was really into Howard the Duck comic books when I was a kid. Okay, so and, you have some background then, hopefully. Yeah, and I didn't understand them then. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, maybe not then. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I mean, again, you know, when I'm 10 years old reading this thing, it's like, you know, there's a lot of social commentary and they're making fun of like tropes and all that stuff. And I read this one thinking, okay, to be adult eyes, it'd be interesting yeah, to read. Yeah, you'll be right. New perspective. Yeah. 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 I still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I kind of there with you. I mean, obviously we're starting in the middle of a storyline with the first panels here. He's in an insane asylum with this uh, person named Winda who, you know, I don't know who she is, but apparently she's a companion of Howard the Duck, maybe in the same vein of Leah Thompson from the films. I think was her character named Linda in the I film. Don't I remember. Don't I, if it was, then that makes a little bit more sense because we're going to talk about her accent. And uh, so that no, name was, was, might inform. Was it Beverly? Okay. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Well, so much for that. So much for that. <laughs> so much for that idea. There we go. No, but and it's worth mentioning he's in this insane asylum because they think he's a dwarf in a duck suit. Yes, right. <laughs> they're they're not convinced that he's a real duck. This is issue thirteen. I want to point out that these are released monthly, so they've had an entire year to figure out that nobody believes he's a duck at this point. And yeah. this is the start of a new year. I mean, I was a little worried at the very beginning though that his vocabulary wasn't going to be any larger than Bill the cats from bloom county bill <laughs> the cat just goes act all the time that's all he does act act that's what bill the cat does and everybody understands like groot i am groot okay, but he yeah. just kept saying ah ah uh, like for the first two pages, that's all he said. And it was so bad that when he did start speaking, I wasn't sure that the character bubbles for the for his character were really his. I thought maybe they were somebody else's at one point. Yeah. And then with the the amazing accent, they give gave his friend Winda. <laughs> oh, with the with the with. Yeah, the with. Yeah. It I was, was like, like all her L's were W's. All her R's were L's or W. I, I think more W's. I, I don't I don't know, yeah, I don't know what they were going for there. And then was there's it not it was very difficult to read, wasn't it? Yeah, it yes. was. And then the man imagine doctor. a kid trying to read that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, the doctor, the German doctor, they really went overboard with that German accent yeah. in this thing. Oh my goodness, that was crazy. And what was with the nurse? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they were playing that trope for all it was worth, plus an extra five points. I mean, yeah. she was that crazy, I'm I'm supposed to be sensual to try and trick you into devastating, horrible things, kind of German Nazi-era nurse type yeah. of stuff. And she wasn't drawn attractive either. No, like, no, she wasn't. Not at all. Like, there's no person on the planet that would look at that character going, okay, I can see what. No, no. there was no attractability to her whatsoever. It was <laughs> Weird. I just love it when they like pass around his x-rays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you see the bones in the feet? Yeah. Those were the ones that cracked me up the most. I'm like, why is there a air gap in the middle of his bone there on his foot? But 
I don't know. I guess they, <laughs> they weren't really sure how a duck's foot would look under an x-ray. I suppose they didn't do their research back then, maybe. I, I guess Marvel didn't have the budget for x-raying ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, I, I mean, I read this thing and I'm like, I didn't understand what they were going for. You know? Right. Like, yeah, where were they the trying to be going? like social commentary? Or were they trying to make fun of, you know, current stuff? Or they, you know, because it seemed like they were kind of doing a little of it, but none of it really well. And, mm-hmm. you know, from the synopsis, when I, I read the synopsis before I read the book. And so I was expecting Howard to get turned into this evil monster thing or something yeah did that ever happen and i just very at the very very end end, he got horns and a pitchfork and when he started wearing the bugs bunny i'm in an opera costume thing is that what he got turned into it from the that was so anticlimactic i just didn't feel anything from that at all it's like damon hellstrom's engulfed in flame and look how awesome and what Right. <laughs> I do got to throw one thing in there, Mo, for John, since hopefully he'll be listening to the podcast that he so abruptly <laughs> abandoned us on. He better. There was actually a reference to one of his favorite groups of all time, the Firesign Theater, in this book. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one of the blurbs, Howard the Duck's talking about, like, oh, Firesign Theater. And I'm like, what? I guess the writer was a fan of Firesign Theater and just started to throw that in. And I'm like, okay. So I figured John would appreciate that since you know he's not going to go back and read this after listening to this podcast. <laughs> Not likely, no. Although you have to admit that Howard the Duck as the son of Satan looks pretty cute. It was adorable. Uh, well, see, that's why I said he didn't look like a monster to me. He was just like wearing some armor and he was cuddly. He didn't. And yeah. he had a pentagram. Come on. I mean, you know. Didn't you he gotta, have a pentagram? Have the pentagram. Totally. Just, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't <laughs> even he has, see He that. has a fang. He did have a fang. Yeah, okay, I'll give one. you that one. He had a yeah, fang. just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole point of us reviewing this book was because it's listed in most places, including Key Collector Comics, as the first appearance of Kiss in comic book form. But this was really barely a first appearance worth mentioning at all, right? I mean, yeah. they're in like two mm-hmm. panels or something like that, and that's and, it. Yeah. yeah, the Star Child shoots a beam of something out of his eye, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah he freezes the guards. They say something to Howard and then they disappear. They tell him to yeah. just kiss it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Just kiss it. <laughs> kiss what? First of all, that's a little creepy. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't get that at all. And then the demon, which is Gene Simmons's character from mm-hmm. the band, you know, he roars as they go back yeah. into the girls. What was it? Was that like it came mystically out of her head or something like a portal? I think they said she was psychic or something. You know, some sort of projection. Is, she, is that what it was? And yeah, and then they were going to sacrifice her. And my whole thing with this was like, I get making something weird. So you want to see what happens next. But this was so weird. I didn't. <laughs> well, that, I was going to I was going to ask that question. Did either of you find this story interesting enough that you would want to read issue 14 or 15 or so? on? I'm just so confused. I probably know. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. I mean, maybe this book has some collectability just because of the Kiss first appearance and everything. But as far as a story is concerned, it was a total flop for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I almost get the impression that Howard Duck is almost seems like an inside joke in like in Marvel. You know yeah. I mean? It's like, like I see the other people who work at Kinda Marvel like reading Squirrel it. Kind of like Squirrel Girl or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, it's like an inside thing that like, I guess, you know, has a little bit of a cult following, obviously. I but, mean, uh, it has to be because otherwise, why would you spend money on printing these comic books? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they made a movie. Someone liked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the movie. The movie was way better <laughs> oh, than this comic geez. book. Come on That's now, Mo. You got to admit, much. the movie was better than this comic book. Uh, <sighs> That's a low bar, uh, man. I know. Is that even a, <laughs> that's, that's not even a bar. <laughs> Get 
with it. The X-Men don't have room for Warney brats. Just who are you calling Warney? I'll show you. I'll... Hold it, Kitty. Wolverine may not be Mr. Sunshine, but he isn't your enemy. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. Rachel and Mo, I just want to say normally this is where I do a final question. I just want to apologize to both of you for asking you to read this comic book. I know that took took me back. It took me back. Yeah. You know, it was a good 20 minutes out of your life that you'll never be able to get back. I don't know how I can refund that time to you, but, you know. It, we had we needed to read it because it had you know something in it at least that drew us to it. It was the first appearance of Kiss, and for Mo and I, Kiss was a big band of when we were growing up and everything. So I thought it would be fun. Turned out it was just really crazy. Yeah, that's that's, that's putting it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that is not crazy at all is the way our patrons over at patreon.com slash genxgrownup support us every single month with just a couple of dollars. And that includes you, Chad, Micah, Thomas, Levi, Agile, Slowmo, Dana, Stubaka, Stian, Will, Greg, Marcus, T2, Corey, and Blasted or Stash It. Thank you wow. guys so much for supporting yeah. us every single month. It's just a few dollars, uh, you know, one, makes a difference. three. <laughs> it, does. it makes a big difference. You get a lot of bonus content at certain levels and everything. You get to see some of the behind the scenes stuff on these podcast recordings, some things from our videos, which is really nice on YouTube. I'm just so appreciative. It's the one thing that keeps me going every single time I'm planning another episode to remember that these patrons out there have said, you know what? We want to hear the next one. So mm-hmm. thank you guys so much for that. And with that we will be back in two weeks with another back issue edition of the podcast and next week with our regular edition before we get out of here rachel thank you so much for joining us today always fun to be here and mo i'm so happy you were able to sit in for john no this is great thank you and we will see you guys next time see ya take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at thegww.com. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.